Hey everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. You know, lately I have received so many emails and messages from moms who are struggling with outside pressures that seem to be weighing down heavily on their homeschooling and sucking the joy right out of something that God meant to be a blessing. God wants our homeschooling to be a joyful journey with our kids, and I'm convinced that in spite of these pressures, it really can be. If you don't know me, my name is Dorenda, and I have been married to Daryl for 29 years. We have eight kids, ages 14 to 27. We have our sixth grandbaby on the way, and we've been homeschooling for over 23 years. And before I dive into this topic on outside pressures, I just want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Teaching Textbooks. It is one of our favorite math programs. We've used it for years, and we are continuing to use it. I would encourage you to check it out at teachingtextbooks.com. Also, this podcast is brought to you by Schoolhouse Rocked. This is a documentary that is being uh, produced right now. It's a documentary on homeschooling, and it's due to be released in 2019. And you can be part of making that happen if you want to check out this um, this really amazing project. It is uh, at schoolhouserocked.com. Go check it out. So let's talk about these outside pressures. You know, I think in one form or another, the two main pressures seem to be government and state regulation and or friends and family members. Every single homeschooling parent has pushback from one or both of those at some point or another. So first of all, I just want you to know that you are not alone. I think one of the tactics of the enemy is to convince us that we're the only ones who are struggling with, uh, with this and with, with lots of things. He likes us to just feel alone because if we feel alone, we can easily feel defeated. But the truth is every homeschooling parent has dealt with this in one form or another. So let's talk about this. Because when God calls us to something, he never said that it would be easy. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a guarantee. But he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. With Jesus, with God, with his um, help and with his wisdom, we can overcome these obstacles. And that's what I want to talk about today. So in order to get the right answers to our problems, we have to ask the right questions. And probably the overarching question when it comes to government and state regulations is this, have the laws regulating homeschooling become my master? Because as believers, that is problematic. Because when rules and regulations become our master, things are not going to go well. We were meant to have God on the throne of our life, him as the master of our lives. In Matthew 6, 24, it says that we cannot serve two masters. So essentially what that means is I can't be serving these regulations and these requirements with my heart and be serving God in this area. Now that's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? Because here's the, here's the bottom line is we want to do right by our kids, right? We're all 
we're all, we all deal with that fear of, am I going to be enough? Is it going to be enough? Am I going to, am I doing right by my kids um, in homeschooling them? If God has called you to this, you are doing right by them because you are walking in obedience to them, to him. And you are doing what he's called you to do and he will be faithful. We also want to abide by the law. And I think this is, this is something that is a good desire. It's a right desire. We want to be able to continue to homeschool. We want to, um, to be good citizens and abide by the law. But the problem is that the enemy uses that good desire against us to cause us fear. And this is where we have to draw the line. This is where we have to say, am I doing this out of fear? Am I making decisions out of fear? Because we should never homeschool from a place of fear. The enemy would love nothing better than that because it diverts us and distracts us from doing what is most important in our homeschooling. And I believe our most important job as homeschooling parents is to disciple our children. Because as we disciple them, we also are teaching them how to think. We're, we're going to naturally um, teach them. We're going to naturally show them. We're going to naturally guide them. We're going to naturally um, facilitate what we see God orchestrating in their lives. So what does it look like to not homeschool from a place of fear? Well, the best example that I can think of is the story of Mary and Martha. Now, remember when Mary and Martha were having Jesus over for dinner. And Martha was running around. She had her checklist and she was getting stuff done. She looks over at Mary and what is Mary doing? She is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now this ticks Martha off, which, you know, I can totally relate to that because I'm, I'm kind of your checklist gal. I'm like, there's things that gotta be done here. And in that culture, being a good host or hostess was a big deal. It was highly regarded. And so, um, so Martha looks over and there's Mary just sitting there at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. And she says to Jesus, Martha says to Jesus, you know, there, there are all these details need to be taken care of. You know, aren't you going to help? Aren't you going to tell Mary to help me? And Jesus answer to her was stunning. And it's key in my point. He said, Martha, you are worried about many details, but Mary has chosen the better thing and it will not be taken from her. And do you know what Mary had chosen? Mary had chosen to listen to the good that Jesus had for her first. And I'm sure that after that, she got up and did her work. But the first thing she did and the first thing she acknowledged and recognized with her actions was that she was first and foremost a disciple of Jesus. Moms, dads, that's what we are first. Before we are parents, before we are homeschooling parents, before we are husbands and wives, we are disciples of Christ. So we go to him first for the, to hear the good that he has, to hear the plans that he has. And then we walk in obedience to that. That is how we 
choose to not walk in fear because God can and will give you wisdom in how to carry out his plan and and abide by the law at the same time because that is an honorable prayer. If you pray for that, God is not going to not honor that. He tells us that we need to basically abide by the laws of the land, obviously, unless they fly in the face of scripture and moral law and all of that. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just trying to abide by the homeschooling laws in where in whatever place that we live. And can I ask you this? Do you think that God is asking us to do something that can't be done? Because we need to think about that when we start to act out of fear and we start to worry about these requirements and these regulations, what are we really saying to ourselves? What are we really believing? We might just be believing that God's asking us to do something that can't be done. And so we're gonna run over there and hurry up and try to fix it all ourselves. But that's not the case. He's not asking us to do something that can't be done. God loves to take impossible situations and make them possible. We've got to believe that. He wants to redeem those situations. And he is not asking us to do something that cannot be done. But what he is requiring of us is to be completely and utterly dependent upon him. Go to him with those frustrations. Go to him with this, you know, with these problems of, you know, the state is requiring this, but I feel like you are calling us to this. I don't know how to reconcile this. Lord, show me how to reconcile this so that I can satisfy um, the requirements, you know, and God will give you wisdom. He says in James 1 that if any of us lacks wisdom, that all we need to do is ask God. All we need to do is ask him and he will give it to us. And you know what he said? He said he wouldn't just, he wouldn't give us just little tiny bits and pieces. He said he would give it to us generously. He would be generous in that wisdom, but there's a requirement. There's a caveat to that scripture. He says, but we must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded in all he does. He is unstable in all he does. So do you hear how that fits in with, with our need here? So we've got this requirement that we're trying to meet and we have this um, this thing that we know we're supposed to do, which is to follow the Lord's lead, to facilitate what he orchestrates in our homeschooling days and in educating and in training and in discipling our children. And so God is saying that if you look to him and say, God, I need your wisdom and you trust that wisdom and you don't start running um, in fear to other places for that wisdom, he promises to give it to you. I want you to remember God always keeps his promises. He never fails. So you can depend on him. You can trust him with that. Now, some practical steps that you can take um, as the Lord leads, you might wanna find someone or a group in your area that has a similar approach to homeschooling and ask how they meet the state requirements. Now, um, there are some, some forms of our homeschooling, some of the ways that we homeschool um, that would qualify as kind of unschooling. So a lot of, those are the ones that um, I probably struggle with more trying to meet state requirements with. 
So I will go to an unschooling group and ask them. Now, I'm not across the board an unschooler. Um, I know families that do it. It works fabulously for them. Um, I would say that I've become more of an unschooler over the years because I've seen what natural learners kids are. But this is just an example of what you can do to... uh, maybe navigate meeting your state's requirements. Um, Another idea is to become a member of the HSLDA. So you have them as a backup should anything happen. Or if you have questions, you can ask them about how to meet that particular state's requirements. Um, Another idea is to keep a monthly or weekly journal of the things that you're doing with your kids, whether it's book-wise or activities. Um, The trick with that is simply to be marking um, certain activities with with subjects uh, that your kids are covering by doing that. For example, if we're going to take a walk in nature, we're going to be... you know, maybe with smaller children, we're going to be uh, talking about pre-language because we're going to be having a conversation about the trees and the nature around us. We're also going to be covering science. We're going to be covering PE because we're actually going to be physically out walking. So that just gives you an idea of the ways that you can take things that you naturally want to do with your kids, maybe that more unhurried approach that I talk about all the time, and just flag it with some, what I call education, And I tell you, you do that a few times and you get really good at it and you start to see how much your kids are learning just in everyday life and it's so freeing. So I would encourage you to, to give that a try. So let's talk about family and friends because this can be really, really tough. Sometimes the most difficult pushback we deal with is with those who mean the most to us or maybe are our closest relatives, because these are relationships that we care about. You know, um, you know, with the requirements of the law, it can seem a little bit more distant, a little bit more, um, you know, removed from where we are. But when it comes to relationships, relatives and friends, it can be a hard row to hoe because we don't want to lose those relationships. We value those relationships, and we should. But our number one um loyalty is to walk in obedience to God. And sometimes that is going to mess with those relationships. Um, I want to share with you a couple of letters from a couple of moms that I've received lately um, that you might be able to relate to. So this mom is saying, here's the thing. My parents are not around much at all and nobody else is around, but I feel like I'm being judged and told that I can't homeschool and it just doesn't seem right. I'm doing what God wants us to do. I I felt like giving up and putting them in public school, but God keeps telling me that my kids are learning and to not put them in public school. We want them to learn about God and life and what God would want us to teach them to, and um, like you've talked about, to become disciples for him. And she's referring to her parents. She's saying, my parents know this and they want the same thing and I love them, but I just want them to listen to me and to trust us. God has shown me that even though it's hard right now, they will learn to read and are super smart. We just want to be the parents to our kids. We just need more support and encouragement. Our kids have never been in public school and we don't have peace to put them 
uh, to put them in public school at all, especially with the way that the world is right now. And I completely and utterly agree with this mom. I could hear her heart. She is tuned into her mom intuition and her mom is her mom intuition. And this is where God is speaking. And he's saying, don't put those kids in public school. Your kids are learning. They're doing fine. You need to go ahead and keep doing this. And But she's getting this pushback from her parents who she loves dearly. And that is so tough. And I've been there before where I've had pushback from people that I loved and didn't want to lose relationship with. And I prayed about it. I was like, Lord, what do I do with this? I really care about these people in my life and I don't know what to do. And so he brought me to Psalm 37. And the verse that the verses that really stood out to me were that was this, to trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper to take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. What is our desire? Our desire is to raise children who love the Lord, to raise healthy adults who are a productive part of society, to raise kids into adults who will love the Lord and will... Um, you know, further his kingdom, who will affect other people's lives with the love of Christ. That's what we want, right? And I went on to the rest of this um, particular uh, passage, and it goes on to talk about how he, let me see if I can find it here, sorry. Um, he goes on to talk about how um, we can trust him with the future. I want to make sure this is the right this is the right uh, verse. But he talks about how we um, how God directs the steps of the godly and delights in every detail of their life. And he says, "Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by their." by the hand. So God is walking with us through this. And the other verses that, okay, here, here it is. Verses five and six, sorry, that took me a minute. There's some great verses in this whole passage. I've shared a few with you, but this is the one that he really put the magnifying glass on. He said, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. And I felt like God was saying to me, Dorinda, you keep doing what I'm telling you to do. You keep doing walking in obedience to me and time will prove that you have done the right thing. These people may not understand right now, but the fruit of your labor will eventually come out and they will they will see that you've been walking in obedience to me. And you know, at that point, it didn't even matter to me anymore whether those people agreed with me, whether those whether I had those people's approval or not. God was reassuring me that I could walk in obedience to him and I could trust him for the outcome. And that was just such a blessing to me. So I encourage you to go and read Psalm 37. And, and also to remember that often in these situations, it is not actually the person in front of you that the attack is coming from. The enemy is using that person to get to you. If you look around past the person to what is behind that person, 
And that is the enemy using that person to discourage you, to distract you, to, um, to condemn you. You know what? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, Christ did on the cross. So moms, dads, we have freedom in Christ to homeschool our kids the way God is leading us to. And you know what? The enemy can use a Christian as well as a non-Christian. So don't be fooled. He will sometimes use Christians to discourage us. So look for where the attack is coming from. Look to the root. Um, look to the source of that um, of those attacks and understand that it is not the person in front of you. It is the enemy, for whatever reason, deciding to use that person. And that person probably doesn't even know or recognize it. So if we can look at it that way, we can give grace to that person and we can go after the source of it. We pray against that and we continue to walk in obedience to God. So here's another letter from uh, another mom. Same exact issues, a family member. How do I handle a mother-in-law that thinks I'm not adequately schooling my children? She feels that we should be way ahead of where we are in our schooling. She thinks my kids should be keeping up with public school kids, which I do not. I really believe that I uh, know my boys better than my mother-in-law. I feel like they are perfectly fine where we are. Um, she makes comments to me often, and I'm tired of defending myself and the way that we've chosen to move forward with our schooling. It doesn't help that she lives right next door to her. Oh my goodness, I'm praying for you, sister. Um, and she asks for any direction or advice. Um, she, she just said she, she wants to just leave my book, which is The Unhurried Homeschooler, on her table and let her read it, and maybe she, it would help her understand <laughs> You know, following Jesus comes with a cost, and sometimes this is the cost. Um, again, I want to go back to continuing to walk in obedience to what God is calling you to do. And you know, I was talking with my husband about this, and he had um, he had a really good question to ask. Again, if we really want answers to our problems, we need to ask the right questions. And his question was, what makes your mother-in-law qualified to tell you that you're not qualified to teach your children. Think that through. I want you to think about the person in your life who might be telling you right now that you're not qualified to teach your children. What qualifies them to tell you that you are not qualified? Don't be fooled. This is a direct attack from the enemy. Look for the source, guys. The enemy would love nothing more than for a God-loving family to either homeschool from a place of fear or give up completely, right? This isn't about whether or not you're qualified because God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. If you are called to homeschool, he will qualify you along the way. If your child is in second grade, don't be panicking about middle school and high school. He has qualified you to teach second grade, this day of second grade, maybe not even the end of second grade, but today he qualifies you. He will not fail you. He loves you. He loves your family. He will not abandon you. But that doesn't mean that this journey is going to be easy and that you're not gonna get any pushback. 
Because honestly, if you're not feeling pushback, you're not a threat. The enemy's not gonna go over, go push back against someone who isn't a threat. He's got bigger fish to fry. And apparently if you're getting pushback, you are that bigger fish to fry. It means that you are being effective. So I want to ask you this question, another question to help get the answer. Who is ultimately accountable before God for your children? Were these people who are telling you that you're not qualified to homeschool, were they given these children to raise? No, they were not. These children were given to you. You bear that responsibility. And let me ask you this. What made you decide to homeschool in the first place? I am gonna guess that it is probably not because you thought that you would be the greatest teacher on the planet. That's not why I chose to homeschool. But we, we made that decision out of a nurturing love for our kids. It was a deep love for our kids. It was a deep concern. It was um, a result of believing that this was the best decision for our children, that this was in our children's best interest, that this was in our uh, family's best interest. So it was a nurturing decision, right? Made from the loving, uh, nurturing heart of a mom and the nurturing, loving heart of a dad who cares about their kids. You know what? We just need to keep homeschooling from that place. Let's not move over to uh, playing teacher role all the time, to doing the checklist, to meeting the requirements. Let's continue to homeschool out of a place of love and nurture for our children. Because you know what? You guys know and love your children more than anyone on the planet. You are the best person to facilitate their education. What does it mean to facilitate your kids' education? Because essentially that's what we do. Kids are natural learners, right? Our job is sometimes to teach them, but most of the time we are just facilitating what we already see they're interested in. We let them often take the lead because you know what? God is the one who really can lead and teach our kids um, because he's put placed in them this natural curiosity, this natural love of learning. And all we need to do is tune into that And each day, ask God to give us the eyes to see what he wants our kids to learn that day or what what he's teaching them already. You know, when my kid goes out into the backyard and starts digging and I start asking questions, what are you doing out here? You know, well, maybe he's digging a trench because he's been studying World World War II and he wants to dig a a trench like they were in in the the war on the front lines. Maybe he's digging because he's been reading about soil or he's really curious. What's under the ground? Can I find some worms? What sort of bugs are there? What what does the soil look like? How or how strong am I? There are all kinds of reasons why a kid might start digging a hole. Our job is simply to facilitate that, to ask them, ask questions, and then um, just kind of facilitate that learning. So really, we want to ask God to give us the eyes to see what he's already doing in our kids' lives, and then just to cooperate with that. So it was very interesting recently. um, I talked to a former homeschool mom 
who is now teaching at a top-rated private school. And every time I see her, she is so frustrated. She said homeschooling beats this by miles and miles and miles. Because when we homeschool, we know our kids. When we homeschool, we can turn hone in on their specific needs. We can hone in on their specific interests. And she's got a classroom full of kids. She has a half a dozen kids that have um, alternative learning plans uh, because they've got certain special needs or whatever. And so they get pulled out of the classroom part of the way through. So they miss out on the last part of the teaching and she has to adapt things for them. So those kids are getting interrupted all the time. And on top of that, she said the kids just struggle with focusing all together. And then there's field trips and constant interruptions to the flow of actually teaching. Okay, so it is not unreasonable to think that in the elementary years, we might need to spend up to two to three hours a day, maybe doing book work and really a lot of the learning outside of that happens in everyday life. Maybe we do four, four hours in high school because we want to you know, make sure they've got a transcript filled out. But the truth is that because of all the interruptions in the classroom and all that goes on, kids aren't actually learning much at all. So this idea that we can have our kids at home and for a few hours a day, have some focused time with them. You know, if they're in kindergarten, first grade, maybe a half hour to an hour a day. Seriously, because we can focus and give them that one-on-one time, it's so much more efficient. And I think that's what people don't understand. The other thing is, um, I heard this said years ago, and this really helped me expand my view of um, how quickly my kids need to learn certain concepts or learn concepts in general. This person said, and this was a person who had a master's in education, said that in really in focused attention, it really only takes two to three years to learn everything they need to know for higher education. And that makes perfect sense. I've graduated five, getting close to graduating the six. And I can tell you that that is a fact. When kids are ready to learn something, they learn so quickly. And as parents, as homeschooling parents, we can be cued into that and not try to force it when it's not working, but take advantage of it when it is. And so I talk to moms without a college degree and they don't feel qualified to teach their kids. But guess what? I talk to moms all the time with a degree and they don't feel qualified to teach their kids. Our culture has abdicated the responsibility of uh, parenting and education being a big part of that. They've abdicated it to the government schools. All we're doing as homeschoolers is taking back what God has already put on us, a responsibility to educate our kids. We get to facilitate that. Sometimes that means that we find resources for them. That might mean we find a tutor. That might mean we outsource a class or a subject. But the bottom line is we are we know our kids better than anyone and we can hone in on what it is they need and ferret out the best resources for them. But the system has successfully convinced us that we aren't qualified to teach our kids, but nothing could be further from the truth. So I want to encourage you to not be listening to the naysayers, to shut them out, to 
tune them out. Um, I want to say to you, spend time with those who are responsible for raising and educating your children. That's you, your husband, and God. Okay, that's your first, that is your team right there. That's the place you go first. That's the place you look for answers first. I have asked my husband so many questions along the way when I've kind of been stumped about what to do with the kids on certain things. And I have been shocked, even though he's not necessarily, wasn't a part of our day-to-day of educating our kids because he had to make the living and provide for us, he would have this great perspective. And often I would pray before I talked to him, Lord, give him wisdom, show him, give him um, your perspective and give him uh, the answers, give him, help him to hone in on what it is we really need, use him. And I would pray that and God would just speak through him and show me what to do. And so uh, make your husband part of that process. Um, but remember that ultimately it is you and your husband and the Lord who are responsible for you and your kids. Now, I wanna share a verse with you. In uh Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 to 12. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken." So you, your husband, the Lord, and God will give you, and he probably already has given you some good friends. Find good moms, other homeschool moms who you feel safe with to share your struggles. Um, This is so powerful. Don't try to be an island. Um, But remember that ultimately it is you, your husband, and God who are responsible for your children. And remember this, to guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Um, Other translations say, um, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Okay? So don't put yourself in a position where these people, these naysayers can unload on you. You may even have to have your husband help you with this because it's so important for us to make a point to guard our hearts. Don't discuss homeschooling with them. And if you have to say anything at all, tell them that you believe that you and your husband have prayed and thought a lot about it and that you believe that you are walking in obedience to God. Now that could be in response to a Christian mother-in-law, a Christian family member. But also remember um, just to say, keep, to keep your words few. Just you've prayed about it. You believe you're doing what's best for your kids and you believe that this is what God's called you to. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. Um, maybe you are dealing with a non-Christian. We can ask for um, them to for our Christian, the people we're having issues with um, that are Christians to just, you know, if they have concerns to pray for us. So just a simple answer would be, um, we believe we're doing what God has called us to. Um, We're walking in obedience to him. We believe this is what's best for our kids. If you have concerns for us, please just pray for us. You can do that with a Christian. Just keep, again, keep your words to a minimum. 
Don't engage in an argument with them. The other thing um, is sometimes we're dealing with non-Christians. Okay, well, that's a whole different ballgame because you can just know in your heart that there may be no way for that person to understand what it is that you're deciding to do. But ultimately, that person is not responsible for your children. And you know, Jesus said that when we're walking in obedience to him, um, he said himself that he did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And that sword would sometimes turn us against, um, would would come between us and family members. Um, It could even be Christian family members or family members who call themselves Christians who don't understand uh, the decisions that we're making. But but it's not important that we're at peace with those people. It's important that we are at peace with God about what we're doing. Now, here are just a few statistics that I want to read to you because, you know, sometimes it's good to have some tools um, in your back pocket when you're having these conversations. So did you know that over 71% of homeschoolers participate in a voluntary church or neighborhood association compared with 37% of U.S. adults? Isn't that crazy? Here's another one. Over 76% of homeschool graduates ages 18 to 24 voted in a national state election in the past five years compared with 29% of the 18 to 24-year-old public school graduates, responsible citizens. Only 4.2% of homeschool graduates consider politics and government too complicated to understand compared to 35% of U.S. adults. Here's another one. Over 95% of homeschool graduates were glad they were homeschooled. Okay, you hear that? You're might be worried that your kids are going to resent the fact that you homeschooled. Guess what? You've got a 95% chance that they're not going to regret it, that they're not going to wish that they had gone to school. Isn't that awesome? These findings are just the tip of the iceberg. The vast majority of homeschoolers are content. They know the value of hard work and they want to homeschool their own kids. Additionally, college recruiters often seek out homeschooled students. Here's a quote from the Worldwide Guide. It says, admission officers at Stanford University think they are seeing an unusually high occurrence of a key ingredient which they term intellectual, intellectually, intellectual vitality in homeschool graduates. Isn't that awesome, you guys? Zan Taylor, uh, I, this is a quote from Zan Taylor. She is one of those... Um, women who just has really done a lot to help the homeschool movement, especially in the state of uh, South Carolina. She said, God is the ultimate superintendent of education. He orchestrates opportunities for our children beyond our abilities to imagine or provide. The presence of the living God transforms the most humble home into a holy place of powerful learning and growth. That's where you are right now, in that powerful place that where God's presence is turning um, this humble home into a holy place of powerful learning and growth. Don't you love that? Homeschooling isn't just about education. It's about the fact that we are called to raise our children to love and serve the Lord. We are making disciples. Part of that has to do with math and language arts, but some of it 
does not. A lot of it does not. Deuteronomy 11 says, fix these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. This is our ultimate calling. So of course our education is going to look different. So please, don't be discouraged. Let the pushback bear witness to the fact that you are walking in obedience to God and being effective. Let it grow your faith. Let it challenge your faith, not diminish it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of homeschooling. Thank you for your deep love for us. Thank you for your promises to give us wisdom, for your presence that is always there, God. May we be aware of it. May we be listening for the good that you have for our families and walking in obedience to it. Lord, give us courage. Father, I pray for each parent that's listening right now. If they are are afraid, God, fill them with your courage. Lord, if they're discouraged, God, bring them encouragement, Father. You are a good God and you have good plans for our family, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you um, for giving us the privilege of homeschooling. Fill our homes, God, with your peace and with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here, guys. If you would like... um, more of this kind of encouragement. Um, I am going to be offering a mentoring course. I'm currently in the middle of one right now, but I will be offering another one beginning in January. Um, it is a. Uh, there will be a, uh, several unhurried homeschooler workshop videos, lots of encouragement, a closed Facebook page where you can be encouraged by other moms who are also walking their homeschooling out in a more unhurried way. So I will keep you all updated um, at my public Facebook page, Dorenda Wilson. So if you'll go there and like that page, um, you can find all the information you need there. Or you can email me, Lee at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. I look forward to being with you again. Mm-hmm.